Well, good morning. It's good to be here today. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the worship so far. It's been awesome. Uh, you may or may not know this, but part of the service is about a commissioning service. Uh, from this fourth point forward, we're going to be doing just that, commissioning Blake and Kara Sherman uh, to their uh, mission in England. They'll be leaving on Tuesday. And uh, most of you know about this, and we're so excited to send them. We were very reluctantly sending them, but we are so excited about what God's uh, called them to do. We can't wait to see what takes place. I'm here to introduce our speaker for today. Uh, and it's one of those moments in time when just uh, the eternal consequences are just mind-boggling as you look back on it. Because it was back in, uh, the, uh, I guess it was the spring of 2005, maybe summer, I can't remember when it was, but sometime in 2005, uh, my friend uh, and former student and associate, David Rogers, called me and said, hey, I've got this English dude, I want to come have him speak to your high school kids on a Wednesday night, trying some places for him to speak. And I thought, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, so uh, I said, that's fine, bring him on down. His name's John Burns. I said, okay, that'll be cool. He's got a British accent, that'll be interesting. Uh, and so, uh, so he came. He came that day and uh, met him. I thought, wow, what a cool guy. Uh, he got up to speak and he began to talk about England. And he began to talk about a event they were going to be doing the next summer, which was called Any One, where they were going to bring a bunch of Texas high school kids and British high school kids together for a for a camp that would do evangelism missions in the northeastern part of England. And as he was talking, as he got more excited, I could sense the excitement just rising in the room. And I remember leaning over to one of my associates and saying, guess what, we'll be going to England next summer. It was not on our radar, but at that moment on, I knew that we would be going. And what sprung into play, into motion at that, at that time has been something that carries to this very day. Uh, we actually are going to be going back to England this summer on a mission trip. Uh, in between now and then, there's been countless mission trips. Uh, there have been several of our students who have done gap years there. Even some of their students have done gap years here. Even some of their high school groups have come here. We've had this beautiful partnership uh, with England throughout these years. And it goes back to that night with John Burns. And now it moves forward to this very moment here, this moment in time when we see Blake and Kara, who both did gap time in England, and while they were there, developed a love for that country and a passion to go back there and to serve. And uh, if anybody was ever, as a couple, just jointly called to a, a, to a job, to a task, it's these two. And so, uh, so we're excited about that. But we're excited about John. We thought, wouldn't it be cool if John could come and speak 16 years later and, uh, and at their commissioning service? And so we asked him. He agreed to do it. He is the president of Greater Europe Mission. He's from Dallas, but originally from Yarm. Are you from Yarm? Yarm, England, where I once sat with him in a pub and watched a soccer match. It was the most awesome soccer experience I've ever had. And, uh, but John, come and speak to us. Love you, man. Thanks, mate. Well, what a thrill to be back. I obviously was terrible last time because it's taken 16 years to come back, but I'll try and do a bit better this time, okay? Um, first and foremost, I want to thank you as a church. Um, you've just heard about a 16-year partnership, and, and you know, very, very personally, actually into my backyard, this little bit of the Northeast that I love and adore and desperately needs Jesus, and you've been helping for 16 years, sending young people to work in schools and on soccer fields and in, in, uh, in all kinds of different places to help us. And then here we are 16 years later, I find myself 
uh, leading the very mission agency that these two wonderful people are about to join. So it really is a, a full circle today. And I want to talk about this really awful word that you hate, I'm sure, called evangelism. And already you started to come out in a cold sweat, I can see it. And it's like, oh no, not that talk. I hate that talk when it comes along and, you know, I feel guilty and I'm, uh, 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 right? But let, let me give you this definition that set me free and I hope it sets you free. I had the privilege of going to Bible college at Spurgeon's Bible College in London. And the great Charles Spurgeon once said, evangelism is really simple. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to find some bread. It's not like some prof who studied the Bible for 45 years explaining all the apologetics of life and philosophy. It's just a beggar like you and me who needed a saviour and found one telling someone else who needs a saviour where to find it in the person of Jesus. If you've got your Bibles, open them with me to Romans chapter 10, will you? And uh, this is a little discourse where Paul's um, trying to explain to the church in Rome, um, probably a very Gentile church really, that uh, the Jews still need a saviour. That 9, 10, 11 in Romans. And in this middle of this passage is a very famous missionary sending passage. I'll pick it up from verse 11. Romans 10, verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is over all. And he comes to those who call on him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed in? And how, the, how shall they believe in him who they, they have not heard about? And how will they hear about him without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they have been sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. I'm looking down, I can't see your feet, but I'm sure they're beautiful <laughs> as we send you out today to preach the gospel of peace. This really simple uh, idea that, that people need to be sent so that they can, they can explain the gospel, so that people can understand who Jesus is, so they can believe and be transformed. That's me reading that bit backwards, yeah? This really simple process that people must be sent so the rest all happens. A missionary um, simply means a sent one. A person who's sent is a missionary. And we're going to send these, the best of this church I hear to join our mission agency today. But before we get to that, I want us to think about the way in which we are all sent ones. The gospel that we have to share is a very powerful thing because it's about a person. It's about the person of Jesus Christ. This man who is God, who came to earth and lived this incredible life and died this awful death and then raised from the dead to prove his power over death so we never need to fear it. This man who brings forgiveness who brings freedom, who brings answers to all the big questions of life. You know, who am I? Jesus 
brings identity. What am I here for? What's my purpose in life? Jesus brings destiny. What's going to happen when I die? Jesus alone brings eternity. This is the good news. The good news is the gospel of Jesus, who he is and what he's done for us and what he can do for us. That's what we get to share. That's what we're sent to explain so that people can believe and be transformed. And so we believe in relational evangelism. We believe that the gospel moves at the speed of relationships. I don't know how you met Jesus. My guess is that most of you here met Jesus because somebody introduced him to you. Maybe a family member or a friend or a neighbour or someone at work. That there was somebody involved in that process, right? I became a Christian when I was 17. I was a bit of a crazy boy at the time. And uh, Billy Graham was coming to preach in our town. God bless him. And he was... uh, and he was preaching at a soccer stadium, and it was actually my enemy's soccer stadium, right? It wasn't my team, it was the enemy's team. And so I had this cunning plan that I was going to go, I knew how it worked, I was going to pretend to become a Christian, and I was going to go and steal turf off the field, because that would teach my enemies. Honestly, this, this was the mind of a 17-year-old. You might deny it, 17-year-old, but it is, okay? And, uh, and I met Jesus instead, and no turf was stolen. Thank you, Lord. And my wife was there, actually. She was on the counselling team. I was on the turf-stealing team. And that was, that was the week I met my wife. But it, I, was, I was the last of my friends to get saved that week because I knew what it looked like because my grandfathers and my grandmothers and my mum and my dad were serious about Jesus and I'd seen it modelled in their life. I knew it was all or nothing. And so when I said yes to Jesus, I knew it was all because somebody... Somebody had explained and shown Jesus to me for so many years. We also know that Jesus is shared with people through our actions and our attitudes, right? This wonderful, simple idea that by your love, they will know you are my disciples. So basically the summary is love people and watch what happens. Love people and they'll know you're my followers and everything will flow from that. So we love people as an act of evangelism, and just because we should. We also know that the Lord doesn't even need us to reveal himself to people. So we, in the ministry that I lead, a great year mission, we've got this incredible work with refugees on an island called Lesbos, just on the edge of Greece, where it meets Turkey. And about five years ago, we started a ministry there. We flooded it with all kinds of missionaries and teams from churches from all over the place. And there was a church from Houston, got really committed to this, started sending teams. And then the mission pastor took a team. And while he was there, God called him. He went back to the church and said, I'm sorry, I'm going. And the church has sent him. And he's, he leads our ministry there, Tanner, on, uh, Tanner Coleman on this little island. And, and I just heard Thursday that in October alone, he led 60 people to Christ, 60 people. Uh, I think six of them were Greeks, 54 of them were Iranians and Afghanis and, and Syrians, uh, immigrants, you know, refugees running from what was going on in their countries. And he tells me, and he's told me this regularly, that the vast majority of them have met Jesus in a dream, the man in white. You may have heard about this phenomenon that Jesus is literally revealing himself to Muslims all over this world in a dream. And then hopefully they meet someone kind and loving enough who'll get alongside them and say, hey, have you had a dream about the man in white? Yeah, I have. Oh, I'll tell you who he is. It's Jesus. 
And that's what's been happening this last month alone on this island of Lesbos. So he doesn't need us. You know, the Holy Spirit is the great evangelist, right? It's the Holy Spirit's job. It's actually listed in his job description that you find in scriptures. It's his job to reveal sin and the need for Jesus. It's his job. It's not our job. Thank you, Lord. I don't get performance-related pay on my salvation rate, okay? So Holy Spirit's job, and he asked me to join in. That's all it is. It's no pressure. It's just an overflow of what he's doing in my life, the Holy Spirit, how he's transforming me so that I can love people that I don't like, so I can share the gospel when I'm afraid. Just an overflow of what the Holy Spirit's doing in me and in other people. And we recognise in this passage, don't we, that the gospel is shared. It goes from home to home. It goes from person to person. It goes from heart to heart. It goes from mouth to ear. It's a verbal presentation of the good news of Jesus. It is perfect that we love people and we've got to love them enough to tell of Jesus, to explain who he is in simple ways to them. I live in a little place called Dallas. You may have heard of it. Um, I was expecting to have to rush today because you'd be wanting to watch TV at 12, but after last week, there's no point, is there really? Um, but, uh, but I live in Dallas, Texas now, and I didn't know God was sending me here as a missionary. And then here we are, we built a new house uh, by the lake. And this, uh, we've got 2,000 homes in the last 10 years. You know what Dallas is like, right? Just popping up from nowhere. And, um, and there's no church within nine miles of our neighborhood, believe it or not, in Dallas, right? And so... We were just sharing life with people and having people in our house for parties and playing golf with my neighbours. And I suddenly realised that, you know, the Lord was calling me to do something about this. I've got a full-time job leading Gem, but I've, I've got a heart and I love people and I'm meant to be a witness where I am. So we planted a church in Easter. Uh, we're about, whatever, nine months in. We've got 50 or 60 people with us. We meet on the back of a golf club on a patio, hot or cold. We're still there on Thursday evenings. And uh, we have men's groups and women's groups and discipleship triplets. And we're just doing the stuff that we're called to do. And we're getting people coming from Catholic backgrounds and Pentecostal backgrounds and Baptist backgrounds and no backgrounds, you know, Californians that are Californiaing our Texas, right? And, you know, and you may say, don't California my Texas, but they need Jesus, so let them in. <laughs> and uh, that's what's happening where I live. But, you know, greater mission has always been about making disciples. I've actually learned a lot from the seven years I've been working with them about the clear, intentional plan to make disciples that make disciples. You know, we're not called in Scripture to make people follow Jesus. We're called to make disciples, people that will follow him in such a way that others will follow him. So Greater Europe Mission for 72 years has been sending people mainly from America to help the church in Europe reach the lost. And let me tell you, it needs it. You might think, why Europe? Why on earth do we need to send people to Europe? We should be sending people to Africa or whatever, right? Let me tell you why. Europe is the most unreached continent on the planet. So in, in Asia, in Africa, in South America, there's tipping points of conversion, revivals happening. That is not happening in my continent in Europe. It's not happening in my hometown, Teesside, right? It's not happening. And we desperately need people to help. We need Christians to step up and be trained locally to reach others. We need missionaries, catalytic outsiders, like these two great people that come and help plant churches and disciple people that make disciples. So we have 700 people now with GEM from 28 different passport countries 
working in 22 countries across Europe, all doing the same thing, different ways, but all doing the same thing. Making disciples that make disciples. It's what we do every day when we get up in all kinds of ways. But as I said earlier, this job of sharing Jesus is for all sent ones, including you and me, wherever we live. You'll remember that uh, when Jesus' kind of final words on the planet, right, in Acts 1 verse 8, he says, uh, the Holy Spirit will come on you and you will have power and, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Now imagine, right, you're Peter. Just imagine in this story, you're Peter and a few days ago, you grabbed a sword and chopped off someone's ear. Uh, later that very night, you were at a campfire and you absolutely denied Jesus existed, right? These haven't been your finest hours, Right? It was great when you were walking on water, well, till you sank, but, but you, it was great. And then suddenly the last few days haven't gone so well. And Jesus comes up with this great plan. I want you, Peter, to be a witness where you are right now, where everybody knows you're a failure, where everyone knows you've got doubts, where everyone's seen your anger. This is the master plan right here where we are. I bet he was thinking, Lord, send me at the ends of the earth because I can pretend to be holy. Jesus' plan is start where we are. My Jerusalem is the tribute in the colony of Texas. Your Jerusalem is here in Waco, I'm guessing, where most of you live. The street you live on, the place you work at, the school or college you attend, the people you meet through the hobbies that you have. Or if you haven't got meeting people, get some hobbies and meet some people, right? Because this is our Jerusalem, where we have to be authentic because people know what we're really like. We can't pretend and then some of us get to go to the wider region. God calls some of us beyond Jerusalem. He calls some of us to our enemies, Oklahoma. Or, or, uh, or, and some of us, only a handful, he calls to go to the ends of the earth. But every one of us is a sent one to our Jerusalem. Outside that door, there's your Jerusalem, outside that door. You don't need to get on an airplane, it's just there. And every one of us is sent to be a witness. I used to be a policeman in England. I had the stupid outfit and the funny hat. And, uh, and, I, and I looked about, well, I was 20 and I looked about 11. And I grew a moustache to make me look older and it was worse, you know, a little slug. Anyway, I was a policeman. And when you start being a policeman, you get trained what it means to be a witness. Now, you know, in court, you have expert witnesses. You know, some crime investigator or some medical person who's an expert witness. But what we learn is that everybody can be a witness because all a witness does is tell the truth about what they've seen, what they heard, what they know. So I'll be in an incident and something happens and some guy punches a guy in the face and three months later I'm at court and I'm like, Your Honour, I watched the, this guy punch that guy and uh, hit him to the floor. Am I an expert witness? No, I don't need to be. I'm just a witness. This is what I saw, this is what I've seen this is what I've heard. This is what I know. God does not call only expert witnesses to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. He calls everybody to just simply tell what they've seen, what they know. You don't need to know all the answers. You just need to know that you're a beggar who found some bread. You just need to know 
What difference Jesus has made in your life. You don't need to, you don't need to write it out a hundred times and have your set story just conversationally say to people, yeah, yeah, I do know Jesus. He's changed my life. Well, how has he changed your life? Well, I used to be like this and I'm still not perfect, but I'm a bit better at it because he's changing me. It's changed my marriage and it's changed the way I love people. And I hope it is, by the way. <laughs> I hope it's doing that. Be a witness. Don't need to be a professional. It's the Holy Spirit's job. The rest of us just get to join in, right? Around the corner, across the street, around the world, across various borders. Some of you here today, God's going to call you across borders and around the world. But I hope everybody here, God's going to call you across the street, go around the corner. Friends, let me tell you how we do this. We pray. I, when I moved into my neighbourhood, I, uh, I started prayer walking and realised it was too big, the neighbourhood, so I've started prayer cycling. It's a new invention. It means I can get round a bit quicker. And, and I pray and I, and I look out, what's God doing? Oh, I met that guy the other day, he's struggling. Pray for him as I, as I drive past. Lord, if you want me to help, show me how I can help. Just pray, just pray. I don't need to have a clever techniques for changing conversations. I just pray and watch what God does and join in. I befriend people. You know, when I go to heaven, I'm going to spend the rest of my life befriending Christians. And when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be able to befriend any non-Christians, right? So before I get to heaven, I'm going to intentionally befriend those that don't know Jesus. Even sometimes if I need to spend less time with Christians. Because I've got to reach people. I've called to be a witness. They're not going to be with me if I don't. Well, they can. Jesus doesn't need me. But, but I might be the best chance. I've got, to, I've got to serve the Lord as best I can, not out of duty, just because I love him and I love them. So we befriend people and we listen. You know, there's a, a, you know in um, Chinese or Japanese writing, they have kanji for letters, you know, like the symbols. And the kanji symbol for listen is made up of three other symbols. And it's eyes, ears, undivided attention. Watch what happens when you pray for your friends and you listen to your friends. Just watch what happens. Watch how the Lord changes conversations. Just be kind to people. Love these people. See what God does. And then learn to share life with them. Authentically learn to share the truth with them gently. Learn to share Jesus with them quickly. I tell a story about when I was in France uh, years ago and I was getting a taxi to a garage to pick up a car that was broken. And my French is rubbish. And I'm in the taxi, dri uh, in the taxi, I'm driving along and I like to chat, so I'm trying to make conversation badly. And, uh, and I see this church and I'm like, oh, Escaliglise Catholic is the church Catholic. And the taxi driver says, oui, pourquoi? Why? Pourquoi? Why? I'm like, oh, um, je suis un chrétien. I am a Christian. And he looks at me and he goes, Pourquoi? Like, why? And I couldn't think what to say. I was at the end of my French, you know, grade four French, right? And I'm like, Lord, help me. And the only thing that came to mind, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit, was, Je t'aime, Jésus. I love Jesus. And I remember late that day thinking, how many times have I been in a conversation where I would never say that in English? 
I would never say, oh yeah, I love Jesus. Try it. Try it with people you love. And just tell them the truth. Oh yeah, I love Jesus. Watch what happens. Watch what the Holy Spirit does because he's already at work in their lives. Watch how he, how he tells you and shows you how to love people and how to say the right thing. Because it's his job. And you just get to join in. Friends, I'm totally grateful to this church for your partnership in the gospel. And I'm genuinely, genuinely very grateful that you're sending Blake and Cara to join us this week in England. And I know it's costly to the church, to the family. I know it's costly. I, I don't... I don't minimise that. You know, I, I watch my mama's face every time I leave and come 5,000 miles this way. I know it's costly. But it's worth it. Because this is the most important thing in the world. Around the corner and around the world. But let's not leave it to those that are paid to do it. Let's join in with them in our own Jerusalem, yeah? Would you stand with me and we'll pray together? I hope you don't mind me saying this, but became aware between the first and second service that this is not the last couple you're going to be sending out. I think there's lots of you going to be going. Not to belittle around the corner, but some of you are going to be sent much further. And in this moment, why don't we open to the Lord? Why don't we be open to the Holy Spirit as He calls us just to walk out the front door and be a witness or wherever else He sends us? Why don't you just be open to the Lord for a moment and I'll pray. When I was 18, I remember being at a, a meeting and I heard those verses from Isaiah, here am I, Lord, send me. And maybe if you dare, you want to use those words yourself today. Here am I, Lord, send me around the corner or around the world, to my neighbours, those that I know and those I've never met. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Lord, we thank you that it's your heart for the lost that we're trying to capture. That it's your job to reveal Jesus to people. But I thank you that you let us join in. And I pray this simple act of being a witness would become simple and natural to us as an overflow of your love for us, your kindness to us, the transforming grace that you've poured into our lives that we'd learn how to join in as you pour that into other lives. We pray for this city of Waco that you'd use these hundreds of people today to be your witnesses here in this city and across this state across this country and around the world. Here, my Lord, send me.